0: Find all your favorite movies and shows factor with Xfinity. Just speak into the X1 voice remote to search across live TV, on demand, even Netflix and Prime Video. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll enjoy Xfinity X1, which gives you access to your favorite streaming apps like Netflix, YouTube, and now Prime Video. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit the store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: Mr. Dan Vance, who's on the line with us right now, Dan, how are you?
0: I'm good, man. I, I would love to say I missed you guys too, but I think you bothered me too much for me to miss you ever.
1: Well, you bothered me so much that you single handedly took down a newspaper to avoid working with me.
0: That's true. That's true. I did that all <laughs> by myself. But no, it's been a long time. I don't even know what DC got for Christmas. That's that's how long it's been.
1: Well, he's sporting a nice flannel today. I don't know if that was uh, made by his kids or not for Christmas, but he's looking good. He's looking good, refreshed here in the new year. And uh, you've been busy. If there's anybody that has not gotten a break over the holidays, it's Mr. Dan Vance. He's from uh, the Marion Classic to the Holiday Tournament, uh, into the new year. Now you're covering ACAC Tournament, NECC. You're all over the place. So you've uh, you've racked up the mileage since we last talked.
0: I have. I've been here, there, and everywhere. I think uh, last night I... With all the teams I watched last night, I'm now at somewhere around 52 different teams I've seen play this year, so I'm, I'm staying busy.
1: Is there a goal in mind?
0: Uh, see as many of them as I can.
1: Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, uh, let's look back really quick where you were last night and what's going on this week. We talked so much about SAC and NE8, but where were you last night?
0: Uh, I was out at Angola last night for first round action in the NECC, uh, Angola-Fairfield, uh, it was actually one of the things I was going to talk about: is, is things we've learned, and uh, it was a good refresher to how fun some of that small town basketball really can be. I've been to some of those games this year, um, but you mentioned it last night. The crowd didn't look like it was that big, but it had the environment, the noise, the ambiance of a packed SAC gym. Um, that's just how they do it in places like Angola. Uh, it was it was loud and it was exciting to uh, to take in some CC hoops.
1: He's Dan Vance, outside the huddle.net, joining us as he does each and every week to kick off the High School Coaches Show. All right, Dan, let's jump right into it as we do. As you mentioned, three things we learned, three things we hope to learn over the next week. I guess we can look back multiple weeks if you want, because it's been a while since we talked, but the three things we've learned over the last couple weeks. Number one.
0: Well, the first thing, uh, and really a couple of things go into the last couple weeks, but also recently, um, and also the Homestead girls, they just keep finding ways to win I think they've been challenged more by Southside, both in the FAC Holiday Tournament Finals uh, and then again last Friday night, than they've been challenged uh, in a long time, especially in this area, uh, and especially through the course of this year. That Southside team played very good defense on them, forced Homestead did uncomfortable positions. But these girls have stepped up in big ways, 18-2 uh, and two now on the season, those two losses coming out of the area. And they're just playing really good basketball at the beginning of the season, you and I talked, and there were things that Ayanna Patterson needed to do to improve her game. What's been really impressive is that she's done those things, and you have to consider her one of, if not the top player in this area, regardless of class right now.
1: I was really impressed with how Homestead came out of the halftime break last Friday against Southside, a team that led them at halftime that third quarter was really all Homestead, and that's all it takes. We talk about it so much over the last several years with Homestead, one of those teams where you can play 28 good minutes of basketball, but those four minutes when you get outscored 20-2 to is the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and they're good at making those adjustments. And We talk about coaches all the time, and Rod Parker is one of the best at halftime adjustments, but at the end of the day, it's a 50-50 split, and he can make all the adjustments he wants on a dry erase board and mentally, but if the girls don't go out there and do it, it's all for not. So he's making those adjustments. They're buying in. They're perfecting it. They're performing. Uh, and, and Homestead girls are looking really good right now.
1: All right, Dan, the uh, second thing that we have learned over the last couple weeks.
0: I'm going to stay in the same school and go ahead and say that uh, the boys put a stamp on being the best team in the city uh, last night by beating Blackhawk Christian. We knew that they came out when the SAC holiday tournament. So clear argument that they're best team in the SAC. Um, but we thought Blackhawk Christian was going to be on a different level, and Homestead just found ways to shut them down, got their lead, got comfortable with their lead, and held Blackhawk Christian to 33 points less uh, than the Braves are scoring on average in a game this year. Uh, and that was just a huge game last night for them. You
1: know, sticking with Homestead real quick, Dan, we felt going into this year, this was going to maybe be a similar team to a year ago. They were 5-6 and six at one point after a loss at Blackhawk in early January. Then they hit their stride, really strung together some wins, and eventually got into the regional before losing to Carmel. We felt this team was going to be the same, but it hasn't. It's ten and one. What has been the difference? Why has Homestead been able to hit the ground running while having to replace a significant amount of production from a year ago?
0: Well, I think that's the the master question, and uh, I think that they just—I'm not going to say that the previous teams have not filled their roles uh, the correct way, because they obviously have, because of how successful this team has been and championshipable have they been? But these guys just buy in to what they need to do on any given night and have no issue making the adjustments. Uh, you know, when, when Luke Goody isn't shooting well, uh, Trent Loomis has stepped up big and made a name for himself. Uh, they've got good guard play from Xavier Overstreet, from Zach Bratmiller, And so these guys who aren't necessarily the focal point sometimes have no problem stepping in, and they know when Luke's hitting, let's just get Luke the ball. They're unselfish, and I think that that's kind of the difference not that those other teams weren't, but this team just is more that way.
1: Yeah, and Luke Goody's been phenomenal as a sophomore and an absolutely loaded sophomore class around the city. All right, Dan, the third thing we've learned over the past couple weeks.
0: Well, I wanted to focus on last night when I saw at Angola, um, and dire ball for Angola is just phenomenal. He plays so strong inside. He rebounds big, uh, rebounds above the rim, blocking shots uh, a la his father, Loy, on a volleyball court. And just really fun basketball to watch. Dire Ball and Blake Pocock, who's a transfer from Carroll, that's out at Angola now. The two of them together bring so much energy. I think that's one of the things that made last night in that gym so enjoyable. Uh, they're a pair that, that could be a force for Angola trying to make a run, uh, not only at this NACC tournament, but the NACC regular season, and maybe even a sectional title.
1: He is Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net here on the OPS High School Coaches Show. All right, Dan, the three things we expect to learn, hope to learn over the next seven days. Number one.
0: Well, I'll start with the big one to make sure that we get it in, uh, and that's how SAC Boys uh, is really going to shake out, I think, on Friday. There's a good chance that Northrop goes to 4 uh, 0 against Northside. Concordia, who's sitting at 3 0, is playing at Southside. That, that's a possible loss for them. They're coming off back to back losses. Uh, big loss to Blackhawk Christian, a 15 point loss uh, just last night to Huntington North. So Concordia has taken a couple non conference losses. Going to South on a Friday night's a tough place to play uh, and a tough one for them. Could drop them to three and one. Carroll could probably improve to three and one against Lures. Uh, and then the loser the Homestead Snyder game. You're looking at that's a team with two SAC losses, and that really could be a conference title uh, eliminator for those two teams on Friday night. Likely is. The last time there was a two-loss team uh, that won the SAC was in 2013, but there were only eight teams back then. So even two losses, it was still a logjam. It doesn't happen much. You don't see a two-loss team win. And as much as we've talked about Snyder being uh, the team in the area through uh, the SAC tournament up until the time that Homestead beat him in the finals, and now we talk about Homestead being the team to beat in the area, uh, it's kind of crazy that as of Friday night, I don't think one of those teams has any chance to win the SAC anymore.
1: It's been a interesting first three weeks of the SAC conference schedule, for sure. Dan, the second thing that you hope to learn over the next week?
0: Well, we're going to get a champion uh, of the Northeast State and the girls, and it's a game that has been considered a rivalry game for a couple of years, and it'll be fun to see how it plays out. Uh, Norwell and Belmont. Belmont is 16-1. and Norwell's 15-1, and probably going to 16-1. and uh, against Whitco tonight. So they're going to beat on Saturday. Uh, neither team has been beaten in Northeast State. I think the interesting thing about that game for me is we consider it such a big rivalry, and we consider it for the Northeast Eight title every year. Norwell has actually won the last 14 games against Belmont. It hasn't been much of a rivalry in the fact of teams having an even, even chance of winning. Uh, that adds kind of some pressure and some some uniqueness to this game this year. Uh, they may meet to get in sectionals. That's always possible. But for someone like Grace Hunter, who has done so much for Belmont in her career, that kind of last uh, hump to get over is beating Norwell. And with that game being played at Belmont Saturday, I think that's going to be one of the better girls' basketball games that we have seen or will see all year.
1: All right, Dan, the uh, third thing that we all hope to learn over the next week in area high school basketball.
0: Well, I think we're going to learn who maybe the best team in the ACAC is uh, on the boys' side, and the same thing with the NECC. I think the girls' sides of those uh, are fairly wrapped up. Jay County has already won the girls' side of the regular season in the ACAC. Uh, Central Noble looks like they're going to win the NECC regular season title fairly easily. They haven't lost at all yet. Uh, but these tournaments are always fun, and they always breed upsets. Uh, we haven't really seen much in the NECC yet. Tonight, more games than that. So uh, that could be interesting to see how things happen. Westview Central Mobile tonight will be a fun one uh, in that conference. But the ACAC, we saw South Adams upset Woodland Girls last night. I think Woodland Girls were destined to play in the finals uh, of that tournament. And we saw Jay County, who has become kind of big brother in the ACAC, get beat by Adams Central last night. Three days after, they beat Adams Central by 20 points. So it's kind of a a fun. Anybody can win these games. Uh, It's going to give us some definite clarity, I think, in the ACAC on the boys' side as to who really is the best team in a conference that's produced some pretty fun games and pretty fun teams this year.
1: Dan, before we let you go, I wanted to get your take on a subject that's been a subject for years, but kind of picking up. There was an op-ed co-written uh, by a couple people, including IHSAA Commissioner Bobby Cox, about the officials, the referee shortage in high school basketball, really targeting adults and parents with the verbal abuse that some of these officials uh, have to go through, uh, sometimes on a nightly basis. Uh, what is your take on this? And we've talked about this for years. We each know several officials. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, crisis of officiating here in the area?
0: Well, I think it's, uh, it's really sad because I think that we need more people to be involved in the game, and the guys who are doing it, and I'll be the first one to say, I, there's been times that I have said something about an official, whether it was in passing to you, social media uh, may have written about it. You know, obviously bad calls happen, and they're newsworthy, they're conversation-worthy. Uh, there was one that got a uh, big play from a tournament, a charge call, uh, against Trent Loomis from Homestead, they got a lot of play on social media nationally. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that I'm kind of with what that op-ed was pointing at. That's I go to a lot of these games, and there's some nights that I just kind of leave, and it's like, wow, I I don't know <laughs> where I was just at. That didn't seem like a, a high school basketball, a teenage basketball game. Um, they take a lot of abuse. They really do. Um, I do wish that that we would tone it down a little bit. Um, and, yeah, and obviously, when you're in the media and you say something about officials, you kind of got to take the blame to a degree. But, yeah, it gets, it gets ugly some nights. So I think that officials don't feel as appreciated as they should um, and as they really are because I know that those kids, even when they make bad calls against those kids, appreciate those guys being out there, uh, making the game better, uh, enhancing their abilities, and being good leaders in this community.
1: Dan, before we let you go, uh, give us a preview of what's to come at Outside the Huddle and maybe what are you already have up there over the last uh, several days.
0: Well, we uh, we, we previewed earlier in this week the, the tournaments that are still going on, especially the NECC. Definitely take a look because most of the teams still playing tonight as uh, they are in their quarterfinal round. Uh, starting tomorrow, we'll look at the ACAC semifinals and finals. Um, Friday, uh, a closer look at the NECC finals and semifinals when they're set. Uh, we'll have our Usual every Friday morning, we have our game of the week preview. Uh, this week will be the Homestead at Snyder game that you're going to be at on Friday. So, uh, you know, kind of our, our regulars and our usuals, and we're going to kind of take a closer look, I think, when we get into this weekend about the uh, the SAC race that I alluded to. it's Things are going to get shooken up on Friday. We're going to possibly likely have an eliminator uh, and really, you know, maybe have a better idea of who could possibly come out on a, a wacky SAC that we kind of knew. Uh, the boys' end of basketball was going to be a lot like football.
1: Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next Wednesday,
0: six o'clock. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.